touch on your first point is the marketing component of it and how much noise there is in this health and wellness space. Because when you think about it and, and, and as consumers or freedom hackers, everybody listening to this, this podcast, you have to take everything you're seeing with a grain of salt. And you have, if you actually deduce it and break it down, you go, you're telling me that diet A is the best thing for me. But then all of a sudden we realize that they're selling diet A cookbooks and diet A supplements and diet A meal plans. And so they're pulling you into something only to sell you something on the back end or where they're maybe going to get you to do a DNA test or a blood test. But then after they go through that, they're now going to sell you hormone therapy and uh, their own line of supplements because they're actually not a blood testing or DNA testing company. They're actually a supplement company and they're putting that blood test or DNA test at the front to feel like, oh, they're actually getting to know me, but now they're just selling me on a lifelong rabbit hole of their own supplementation or their own products that they want me to use. With no limitations, what does your perfect day look like? What if it's possible to live like that every day? Would you wake up after 9am, have perfect health, maybe fire your boss, have the money and freedom to do what you love most? the world is your oyster. Where would you be? Who would you be with? The possibilities are endless. Whether you believe it's possible for you or not, you can make more, work less and live free. Welcome to Freedom Hack Radio, where entrepreneur, best-selling author, world traveler and adventurer, Bryce Robertson and special guests crack the code on money, health, relationships, spirituality and having fun doing what you love most. Be inspired to create your own self-designed freedom lifestyle. Welcome back to another episode of Freedom Hack Radio. I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. And today, my friends, we have a special guest to help us heal from the inside out. And that's Justin Rufflingshofer. Over the last 20 years, Justin has worked with Stanley Cup champions, NHL MVPs, Super Bowl champions, Olympians, eight, nine, and 10-figure entrepreneurs, and Fortune 500 companies. He has worked as a performance director in the NHL and the NCAA and founded a private camp for professional hockey players focusing on healing from the inside out. He is an Amazon best-selling author for his books, Intent, Blueprint, and The Own It Manual. Justin, welcome to Freedom Hack Radio. Bryce, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. And um, again, honor to you for, for leaning in and creating a, a space and a platform for uh, all the Freedom Hackers out there. Awesome. Well, talking about gratitude, mate, that's where I love to start. What is giving you the most gratitude today, brother? To be honest, it is the sunshine. I was up in uh, New York this past weekend, uh, packing up our apartment. We're in the process of moving uh, from uh, our home up there down to uh, uh, the place that we built in Miami. So uh, we spent the last 24 hours-ish up in New York and it was just gray and cold and snowy. And uh, as soon as I got off the plane last night, just the humidity of the Florida air and the clear sky and stars. And I woke up this morning and the sun was shining. It's just like completely changes the outlook of your day. So that is definitely where my gratitude lies today. How are you feeling the culture there too? Like you feeling the like, what, what's the vibe like in New York since all the stuff's been happening? To be honest, you'd think it is, we were going to talk about resiliency today. And I, I do not know if there's a greater example of resiliency than the city of New York, where no matter what happens to it, it always bounces back. And quite frankly, it usually bounces back stronger. So um, the, the, the restaurants are vibing, the clubs are vibing, the, the rooftops are getting ready to open back up. They obviously, you know how they built those outdoor uh, dining uh, areas outside of the physical restaurant so that they could actually do social distancing or be, have, have people outside. They've got those all still set up and those are now permanent structures. So um, the, the restauranteurs actually gain seating. And so it's, it's just, it's really cool just to see the way that the city has adapted 
to what's gone on. And if you look at the real estate prices, you look at everything that's happening there. Um, Ryan Searhan's a perfect example of this saying, hey, the, the city's not going away. The city's not going to uh, fold and, and, and start um, just giving everything away. And it actually, uh, the real estate market's really strong right now. And you, there's a bunch of people moving into the city um, and, and the economy is just uh, is starting to get back to not just where it was, but even surpass um, that same feeling as, as, as pre-COVID. That's interesting, man. While you're saying that, I'm just kind of thinking like New York was almost the heart of where people came from other countries to like have a go in America. So there's that like, there's that like, we'll just make it work kind of spirit there probably, huh? That's, that's awesome. It's such a great point that you bring up because when you go to New York City, even for people in the United States, when you go to New York City, that's like the place that you go to make it. Like that's the place that you, if you're going to make it anywhere, I'm going to make it in New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've got a couple clients right now that they're they're kind of going through this mental tug of war with themselves because they've they've succeeded in New York. They've got beautiful homes. They're um, financially stable. But they feel and, and their their spouses are like, I want to go to Miami or I want to go to Austin or I want to go to Dallas or I want to go to Denver, someplace a little bit warmer. That's not so crazy. We've got families now like if the kids run outside, have a little bit of green space. And they're like, but if I leave New York, like I, I've, I've given up. I, I, I don't have the hustle and bustle. I don't have the grind. Like that's, <laughs> that's why you live there. And so um, that, that culture will never leave. And I think, to be honest with you, that is why it's the most resilient city in the world is because you have those types of gritty people that live there and want to continue to, that there's something different about those people that live there. You see my shirt, own your different. It's what own it stands for is, is, is being different. You want to succeed. You have to be different than everybody else. And I, I don't think if you look left or right twice in, in New York, you're going to see somebody that's the same. Everybody is hustling, grinding, uh, and, and doing things very differently and, and finding different levels of success. The city of motivation. New York and, and talking about motivation, you are an extremely motivated man. And that started at a very young age. Um, can you take us on a deep dive on your journey from childhood up until you know, we're basically where you are today? Yeah, it's, I love telling the story because it's, it's something that's so deep rooted and deep seated when um, obviously growing up in Canada was playing hockey, just like everybody else, every other kid growing up, it's, I'm going to play in the national hockey league. I'm going to be that guy on TV that everybody else looks up to. And so, um, I was, I was blessed with, um, a little bit of talent and was playing with 16 year olds as uh, as a 12, 13 year old. And, um, for the first time I really didn't stand out and, um, I was kind of down on myself coming back from a, from a tournament and, um, my dad said to me, he said, son, talent will get you noticed, but consistency will get you paid. And mm -hmm. it was that quote, that, that, that conversation, that car ride home that really kind of set the stage for the rest of my career up until this point today. And I, I didn't know that at the time, but, uh, subconsciously it embedded something in me and flipped a switch that said, I have to be the most consistent version of myself. What does that mean? And so when every one of my friends was playing video games or reading uh, sports magazines, Sports Illustrated, I was reading medical journals. I was reading books on how to sleep better. I was reading books on uh, nutritional optimization. Um, the At what age? What age are you when you're reading? 13. Books? 13 wow, years um, the alkalinity of foods, um, how to strength train in different ways, how to recover at an optimal way. You hear about all this biohacking nowadays. Like that wasn't biohacking back then. It was just living healthier <laughs> and mm. um, living in alignment with yourself. And so um, at 14 years old, I started to track brainwave monitors when I was sleeping. I started to get blood uh, uh, testing done to track different things internally. Like I'd ask my parents, hey, can you take me to the to doctor to go get this and this done? They're like, uh, why? <laughs> what are we doing? And uh, Is and this then, because you're like reading books and you're like oh, you're yeah. hearing about all these different things and you're like, I want to do it on me. 
Exactly. And so I would, I would read these studies that are going on and I'd say, Hey, like, can I get this done? Can I get this done? I wear, wear, I'd wear heart rate monitors to bed to see where my resting heart rate would get to. I'd wear heart rate monitors when I was working out. Um, I'd have a, a pulse or a oxygen uh, monitor, pulse oximeter on my finger when, when I'd sleep for certain periods to track where I was at and all these things just to grab data on myself, not even knowing what it was. And so it literally put me into like I, when you talk about obsession, like it's, I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with becoming this, this being to create what consistency. I wanted to understand how to be the most consistent version of myself. And for me, it was almost a, a push to a point of uh, where it, it, it got dangerous. And when I say dangerous, where it started to shift the way that I saw my body, I had a major um, body dysmorphia. I had, I went down a dark road of um, uh, anxiety, depression, anorexia, um, all of these things that really came with this. And it wasn't until I met uh, a couple doctors um, that my parents had taken me to, to kind of try to right the ship <laughs> up in my head a little bit. Uh, of being able to take all this knowledge, all this information I had, and instead of use it out of fear, use it out of true object, like objectivity. What does it mean? How to put it to make, to make sense for me in an actual sense? And all of a sudden something clicked. Something clicked. It was, oh, so I guess I can't not eat and go through this intermittent fasting period that this guy did in this book and saw major health benefits while also being a three a day workout guy that's mm -hmm. also um, sleeping in different ways. Cause I'm a 13, 14, 15 year old kid. Like you, you don't know these things. And so um, being You're just obsessing work, hard and just like doing all of it at once when probably you could have just kind of like done one at a time or something like that. Or understood what it, what each modality meant to me. And so again, it kind of drove my, drove my career. I ended up coming down to the States on a hockey scholarship. Um, uh, again, went and ended up um, uh, taking my career then from uh, my undergraduate degree in uh, exercise science and nutrition, right from there to my master's degree in exercise ph physiology and sport performance, uh, right into my postgraduate work on heart rate variability, sleep and recovery science. And it, this this whole motivation of wanting to know more about the body again the obsession has not had never dwindled never went away um and it quite frankly hasn't left me to this day it's still wanting to understand how do i do it but that stage of my life where i went over the edge caught i, th I think was necessary for me to truly understand as i was going through my educational career to continue to ask questions and to continue to challenge the status quo and almost be a little bit of a maverick in that way where something I would be told I was like well that's not necessarily true because I know I've seen it done on a lot of people and it doesn't always work why or why is that what we're teaching why is that what we're being taught where all of a sudden we start to realize that every person is different every mm -hmm. person is going to react to something differently so what may be functional and foundational to you Bryce may actually be detrimental to me and what might be um, uh, a part of a big transformation for my wife may be something that holds another person back um, for maybe my sister. Like these are the things that we've done in society where it's like, I just want to know what Steve Jobs morning routine is. I just want to know what... Uh, uh, Jeff Bezos workout routine is. I just want to know what um, uh, Bryce Robertson's uh, uh, nutritional and sleep guidelines are because I want to be like them, but you're not them. And so when we come back to truly owning your different, we know that each one of these modalities that all of these companies, all of these researchers, all of these people have created, they're all awesome. Not one is better than the other. They all work, but they all don't work for everybody and they all don't work for everybody all the time. There are certain times that we should lean on certain things. There are certain uh, seasons in our life that we should lean on certain things. There are certain people that should lean on certain things more than the other. And the question there comes back to the thing that my dad said was, what do we use when to become the most consistent versions of ourselves?
And that is the question that I started to ask myself as I went through those, my, my career and really try to, again, personalize everything for everybody. I uh, went to the University of Louisville um, and worked with their athletic programs, uh, having a, a lot of success um, uh, in, in using, using data to help formulate recovery protocols. Uh, everything from morning routine, night routine, sleep protocols, um, recovery modalities, um, uh, different loading metrics, reading data to implement individual programs. From there, went to uh, Miami of Ohio, ran their hockey program. Uh, again, putting about 15 guys to the National Hockey League over four years. And then from there, uh, having the opportunity to work with the consult with the Capitals, consult with the uh, in, in Washington in the NHL to the Columbus Blue Jackets, and finally running um, the uh, the program with Mark Fitzgerald in uh, in Anaheim with the Anaheim Ducks. And so it was it was unique in this whole process to be able to go, hey, you know what? This is interesting. The more data we have that we know how to apply it, the better questions we can ask to yield better results. And it's always about how do we question and how do we apply? Wow, man. Hey, going back to like when you were a kid and you're doing all these things and you're like reading these books and you're like sleeping with all of this stuff. Like what were other kids like? What, what were they thinking? Were they like, man, this guy's wacky? Or they're like, dude, what, what's he doing? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great question because forever I've always felt like an outsider. I've never fit in. I've never, um, I've never felt accepted because I was always different. I always, always doing weird things. And uh, whether it was wearing a heart rate monitor on the ice and guys going, what is that? Like, why are you doing that? To um, having cold showers after the game, like, okay, like this guy's weird. Like, don't touch him. Don't talk to him. <laughs> like <laughs> completely just, and, and it would and it would create a little bit of like, you'd feel ostracized a little bit. And so as again, a 14, 15, 16 year old kid, um, it's, it's tough because you don't feel a part of anything. And so again, if I could, if I could write a letter to that kid growing up, it's just, it goes back to what we talked about at owners own your different, like lean into that because you are going to create separation for yourself that everybody else three, four, five, six, seven years down the road is going to go, man, do you remember that guy? Do you remember that girl? Do you remember how weird that guy was? Like, look what he's doing now, or look what she's doing now. And understanding that to create change, the world doesn't want to change, right? The world's going to kick, the world's going to scream, the world's going to say, no, I want to stay just the way I am. But if we can lean into that, and we can be okay with that, and we can know that that's going to be, that's what's going to happen. The people that stick to it, the people that lean into that different, lean into that discomfort, are going to be those leaders at the end of the day. It's an interesting lesson in life, isn't it? Like I remember feeling like I didn't fit in in a lot of areas where I grew up as well. Um, but really my journey was that I had to leave that area and explore the world and do a whole bunch of different things. And then coming full circle on that, it totally makes sense. Um, but, you know, we, we don't know that when we're younger. Um, so Never it's do. pretty amazing stuff, though, when, when we come full circle. Um, I, I really love that you're, you focus on the fact that everyone's different. There's so many, there's so much noise out there in the health world. And I think some of it, people need to understand that like people are trying to sell their products and they might bring a convincing argument to the table that like, yeah, this is really going to be like good for your health. So you're going to take this, but everybody's different. There's, you know, the, the fact that one diet is going to work for everybody. Everybody's completely different. Um, how, how do you individualize that at own it? And, you know, how do you address the individualism? It's a, it's a great point, And I love you brought it up. I'll actually touch on your first point is the marketing component of it and how much noise there is in this health and wellness space. Because when you think about it and, and, and as consumers or freedom hackers, everybody listening to this, this podcast, you have to take everything you're seeing with a grain of salt. And you have, if you actually deduce it and break it down, you go, you're telling me that diet A is the best thing for me. But then all of a sudden we realize that they're selling diet A cookbooks and diet A supplements and diet A meal plans. And so they're pulling you into something only to sell you something on the back end, or where they're maybe going to get you to do a DNA test or a blood test. But then after they go through that, they're now going to sell you hormone therapy and uh, their own line of supplements because they're actually not a 
blood testing or DNA testing company, they're actually a supplement company. And they're putting that blood test or DNA test at the front to feel like, oh, they're actually getting to know me. But now they're just selling me on a lifelong rabbit hole of their own supplementation or their own products that they want me to use. And so that's something that I, I, I would love everybody the next time they, they have something like this come up to really kind of question what they're looking at and ask, where can I get some greater information or what, what are they actually trying to sell me? So when we kind of come full circle here to what kind of own it is and how this, this came to be was when I was back in the NHL and even when I started the camp down here in Florida, I wanted it to be a place where independently I wanted to know what was going on inside each and every single one of my guys. I wanted to know what was happening in each player so that we could now address these issues on a very individualized basis. And in doing so, I didn't know, I, I didn't have the products. I didn't create the products. I didn't have the, um, the, the quality of everything to be able to fix those things or, or create um, a system or a framework that uh, would help them. So instead, I had to go out and vet every single product that was out there and figure out which one was best in class and which items, which products fit each person. Mm -hmm. And so bringing that literally that framework that we used with the NHL guys, um, my executives that I started to work with on a one-on-one -on -one basis, uh, the guys with the, within the camps, bring it now into own it. And so whenever we work with anybody, we're doing cellular uh, nutrient testing, DNA testing, cellular glucose dysfunction, uh, gut biome testing, and figuring out, okay, where do the building blocks within this person falter? And then what direction do we need to go from one lifestyle and habit change, because that's going to be the number one foundational change that we can do Two, what products exist in either our partnerships or extended beyond them that is going to help this person who does this the best and who can we bring into their world, their environment so that they can now start to uh, use the best in this space to, to create change. And then three, what does it look to like to continue to retest them or continue to keep them on this ongoing train so that we know that we're making progress. We actually know we're making progress, not it's subjective. I think I'm feeling better. And so that's, that's what own it has done is it's created a ecosystem in which people come in, we understand them top, bottom, inside out, and then are able to put that personalized plan together that sustainably changes those habits that are required for that true change while aligning them with the, the, the support, the coaching, um, the products uh, that, that they need to make it as easy a transition and as easy a lifestyle shift and change that, uh, that we can. So obviously everybody's different. Everybody's an individual, but as you're exploring all of this and working with more and more people and you get into the root cause of things, are you seeing any commonalities there? Like, is there like some common threads of root causes with these professional athletes? I mean, it, professional athlete, um, 10 figure entrepreneur or uh, 15 year CEO, it, it, they, they don't differ. They're all the same in by nature is it comes back to a fundamental disagreement of two things in in an individual stress and adaptation. That's it. Really? We're going to be stressed and our body's going to adapt. Either we're not stressing enough and our body has nothing adapt to adapt to. And thus we regress or we are overstressed in a certain area. And thus our body does not have the ability to adapt. And by getting out of rhythm in these spaces, all of a sudden what happens is our body starts to steal from Peter to pay Paul. And what I mean by that is you lack on sleep. We've got these eight controllables we talk about, exercise, nutrition, hydration, sleep, environment, self-care, immune system, and uh, mindset. And when we take a look at these eight, we're either overstressed or understressed in each one of them. So if all of a sudden for the last five years, 
you haven't been sleeping well. You've been foregoing that to build your business, foregoing that to operationalize what you're doing. Um, been getting four and a half, five hours sleep on average every single night. Well, you've been overstressed in that area for so long, your body no longer has the power capability to adapt. And because of that, you're going to start stealing from the stress uh, capacity in all of these other factors. It could be the relationships with your family. It could be the mindset component to what you're doing in your, uh, in your work. It could be your immune function that you feel you get sick through four or five, six times a year. Um, you could uh, not have the energy to go and work out and do those types of things that you, you have. You don't uh, have the energy to go give yourself 30 minutes of self-care a day. And because of that, everything else in your life starts to peel off. And I often talk about this when giving keynotes, whether no matter what the industry is, but it's as humans, we adapt and transform to the degree that we are healthy. And we will only ever perform to that level in which we are constrained. So that meaning, no matter if it's financial security, if it's um, selling more homes, if it's uh, performing in front of 50,000 fans, uh, if it's progress results or performance driven, health has to be the foundation. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Health has to be the foundation. Because if we think about, let's go back to New York, we were talking about at the beginning, you go back to the World Trade Center, okay, it's a 112 story building. They've got a two by two block, okay, so four square blocks, that's the, that's the base, that's the foundation of the World Trade Center. Could they have gone to 112 stories if they only went one by one? No, because the base, the foundation isn't great enough to hold the capacity of which they're wanting to go up. The same is the, the exact same as with us is each and every single one of us is, is meant to do something better than anybody else in the world. We have all been given this God given talent to do, to be world-class at something. And we're trying to figure out what that is. But if we have not created the foundation to truly hold the depth and the height at which we are meant to serve, there is no way we are ever going to meet the capacity and the capability and realize our true potential because we will always be held back by that level of health. We will always be held back because we will, um, we will have chronic headaches and we won't be able to explore what our true purpose is. We will uh, always have this brain fog that exists in the middle of the afternoon, and it holds us back from uh, making those last four or five calls that maybe could put us on a different trajectory. We could um, have uh, stomach aches that don't allow us to uh, go to certain restaurants because we just and, and we just stay away from them because it prevents us from going in and networking that might open up certain doors for us. We can I can give you a million examples of how health stops and how it holds us back from everything. Go and ask the billionaire who all of a sudden figures out at 54 years old that he has ulcerative colitis and, and how much money he would give to change that because his health is now holding him back from operating at the same capacity that he was before. It will always, I'll read that again. As humans, we adapt and transform to the degree that we are healthy and we will only ever perform to the level that we are constrained. So that is the lowest part on the totem pole. And if we can objectify that and if we can figure out what that base and what that foundation is for us and continue to grow that, all of a sudden, every single step and every sing single place that we are serving above that becomes more impactful and, and quite frankly, becomes more steadfast in that foundation. Yeah, man, that's, that's super important. You were touching on self-care there, and I think you said something along the lines of we need to give ourselves like 20, 30 minutes of self-care a day. How would you explain that to people? Because I think a lot of people just like don't even think about self-care or even really know what it means. It's such a great question because uh, whenever we do this exercise um, in with some of our retreats, we've done this and some of our one-on-one -on -one consultations, we do this, but I always ask, so uh, what does, what, what do you do for self-care? And they're like, well, I work out. And I was like, no, like, what do you do for self-care? And they're like, well, um, I, I play with my kids. No. What do you do for self-care? And they're like, what does that mean? Like they're frustrated at this point. They're like, what does that mean? And I'm like, 
to be honest, the true definition of self-care is something that you selfishly do only for you. Something you do literally just for you. And they'll sit there and they'll think and they'll hum and they'll ha and they'll go, man, this, this really shouldn't be this hard. <laughs> and, and quite often they, they can't even come up with anything. And we go through this exercise where we talk about energy in and energy out. Energy out is anything that requires energy from you, like this podcast. It's energy out for both of us. We're having to show up, be articulate, be clear, be confident. We've had to prepare for this. We'll have to do some stuff after. It's energy out. Um, looking after your kids, it's an energy out. Going on a date with your spouse, it's an energy out. You're having to show up and be and do and I don't want to say perform, but uh, but give and expend energy. A workout, again, another energy out. Then when we go to an energy in list, there's nothing there. It's empty. And so we start to go like at what our body, and I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Um, I don't want to get too far away from the question. But when we talk about resources, people all of a sudden say time is the most precious resource we have. But I come back and I'm like, no, it's energy. Why would I want to invest in time? Time, it, no matter how hard I try to manage time, I will never get 24 hours in a second out of a day ever. So if I was to come to you, Bryce, and say, hey, Bryce, give me a million dollars. In 10 years, I'll give you a million dollars back. What would you say? No. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's, that's the right answer. That's yeah. exactly. But yet we do that all the time with time. We invest so heavily in time management and making sure time's all here. But what if we shifted that and went to energy management? Energy is a renewable resource. When's the last time that you got super excited about something and you worked for 14 hours and you gave yourself five, six intermittent breaks throughout the day and you were like, man, I am so energized throughout the rest of the day. You woke up, you worked out, you gave yourself maybe a little meditation time. You went and uh, closed your eyes for a 10 minute nap in the afternoon. You did some breath work right before dinner. And all of a sudden now you're showing up with that massive energy at, at, uh, at dinner time and nighttime with your family. Like this is what energy management's about because now all of a sudden time becomes obsolete. Time doesn't matter anymore because you've managed to now create this rhythm of bouncing back and forth between energy in and energy out. And that is what self-care is. That's it's all about energy management. It's figuring out what do you do for only yourself so that you can now go and serve in that energy out category. It could be something like breath work. It could be something like meditation. It could be something like reading for me. It's going and sitting in the sauna, steam room, and in front of my uh, infrared lights. Those are three things that I have on my, I call it my energy in buffet, my parasympathetic buffet. I have a list of about 15 things yeah. that, that I can do at any point in time during the day. And I have it next to my desk at all times. Why? Because I don't always want to sit in front of my infrared lights. I don't always want to go and sit in the sauna. I don't want to always want to go and sit in the steam room. But it could be turning on some quiet music and just closing my eyes for 10 minutes. It could be going and meditating. It could be going and journaling. It could be going for a nice quiet walk out on the beach uh, in the sun. It could be uh, literally going and hitting a tennis ball against um, the serving wall. It, it, any of those things I have on my list because they're all things I enjoy. They're all things that shut my mind off. And they're all things that restore energy back to me so that I can now show up in a more powerful way. Yeah, man, that was well said. Actually, last night, I started reading a book called The Way of the Superior Man by David Data. And uh, one of the sections that I actually read this morning on it was he said, stop waiting for the future. Stop waiting for everything to change. Take care of yourself now and carve out one hour in a day where you do something that you love. Stop yeah. waiting until you're financially free or until this happens or the kids leave school or whatever. Treat yourself now. Do it now and like see what the difference is going to be and i think it's kind of somewhere on the same philosophy there it's exactly the same and i i, I want to tell a story where um we talk about flow state all the time and david coulter talks about it or stephen coulter pardon me talks about it all the time where um how do we get into flow state and it, it's something that we can train our body into it's something that we can truly uh, allow ourselves to get into and the best way in which to do that is by doing something that we love by doing something that is just so easy, so um, uh, passionate, it's like a passion of ours, 
that it teaches us how to get into flow state. So we had a, uh, he's written eight New York Times bestselling books. Uh, he was under contract to do his ninth. Um, he was, he, he's one of our clients and he was just, he was in a, uh, a whole muck of personal things that were going on in his life. And he said to me, he goes, Justin, I don't know if I'm ever going to get this book like written. Like I just, I, I have such mental block and writer's block. Like I've never had before. And I said, when's the last time you did something for yourself? Like, what is one thing that you would have always done? He goes, I always loved to water ski. Like loved it. It was a passion of mine. I just, I love to be out on the water. He lives right on the water. He's got a boat. He's got everything. I said, when's the last time you've gone? He's like, probably like 11 months ago. I said, okay, for the next week, I want you to find two hours a week. Just go out water ski and just have yourself a time. And he goes, he goes, there's no way I can do it with everything going on. I said, no, let's do it right now. Let's figure out what this looks like over the next two weeks to get four ski sessions in. He goes, okay. So we worked it out. We got it all done. He called me after his first water ski session. He goes, he goes, man, that was incredible. Like I had mental clarity, like I've never had before. I was like, that's awesome. That's amazing. That's progress. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's journal on that. Let's meditate on that. And then uh, when's your next one? He goes, three days from now. I said, okay, perfect. Sounds great. He called me after the next one. He goes, Justin, that was awesome. Like, I feel so good. I feel alive. Like I have massive energy. I was like, that's awesome. That's fantastic. He called me after the third one. And it just, it gives me goosebumps, brings tears to my eyes. And I tell the story. He goes, Justin, I wrote the book. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, on this water ski, I've, I, he goes, I, I just told them to keep going. I just told them to keep going because things were coming to me. They were flowing. And the entire book got mm. written in my head, even before we got back to shore and they dropped me off. I went upstairs and I just wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote and I wrote for 11 hours and the book's done. And right there, it comes back to time doesn't matter. And if we allow ourselves this understanding of energy and self-care and how do we provide this for ourselves to live in alignment with what's happening internally and knowing that foundationally those health barriers that exist that won't allow us to get to that point are gone. And we have this massive, massive foundation. We can, uh, the, the height that we want to build can be five times the World Trade Center because our foundation and our base is so set and so strong. You hear these cliches all the time of you're, you're, you're only as great as your habits and discipline is what it's all about. And like this David Goggins, be hard mentality. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be so intimidating. It doesn't have to be so grinded out. What do you think about grinding? I say sawdust, like who wants to be sawdust at the end of the day? I want to be a log. I want to be something so strong, so hard that you can't take an ax to me and break me down. That's what I want because the foundation is so solid, so, so steadfast that, and your habits are so ingrained in you at a personal level that I can build my castle so high because it's going to be there to serve the world. And that's the difference that, that we can all live with. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's just like, again, there's so much noise out there right now. And I wonder if people really even know what they really want or why they're doing a lot of the things that they're doing. And like, you know, you're given this sage advice. And I think if a lot of us actually just stopped and listened to ourselves, we kind of know what some of the answers are sometimes to like, just, you know, stop and give some attention to ourselves, but there's so much competition and hustle and bustle and, um, you know, going on the, on the David Goggins thing, um, you know, finally, you mentioned that because I'm actually training for the four by four by 48 right now. Um, but I also coming into it with the consciousness that like, that's no way to be sustainably, I'm doing it for the intensity, I want to have the experience of the intensity of like running 48 miles in 48 hours. And I think I'll be able to pull from that later on in life. But that's certainly no way to, to live our lives. Life doesn't have to be a struggle. Um, that, that guy, he's, he's amazing. He's very inspirational, but he's also committed to a life of struggle as well. And, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be that experience for us. No, you're, you're exactly right. And I'm sharing my screen here to kind of talk about this for a second, because when we look at this, it's, it's a little bit of framework that, that we, we talk about here at own it is this, this model of overreaching to ultimately, um, 
than the model of regeneration. And we call these the four quadrants that exist within uh, energy management. And so we have to spend time in this upper left quadrant, this overreaching quadrant. And, and why do we need to do that? Because this is where we develop. This is where that four by four by 48 becomes something that, hey, this is going to be, oh, this is gonna be something that's tough for you. This is gonna be something mm. that is gonna drop your heart rate variability. This is something that is really gonna stress you. It's, it's gonna push you. And we have to be pushed. We have to be stressed in order to grow. But we can't stay here. We can't do four by 48 uh, or four by four by um, four by four by four by 365. We, we, can't, we can't do that all year. <laughs> and when we do that, we're going to have to now, especially over this week that you're doing this, in the four hours that you're running, in the other four hours between, we're going to have to bounce back here to regeneration. And we're really going to have to find how do we create this space so that when you're running, you're truly performing in that ownership space. And this is no difference than how we operate in our lives and these eight controllables we talk about in pulling on each lever and start to be able to personalize it for people is all of a sudden, okay, great. Maybe in your life right now, maybe you're, and I'll give my, myself as a perfect example. I flew to New York over the weekend. We packed up our um, uh, the truck with the moving company. The moving company is driving everything down uh, to our new place in Miami. We're down here in our place in Florida right now. That's going to have to get packed up and then taken over to the place we're moving into. We've got uh, a big hiring component of what we're going on in our business right now. There's other people that um, have taken uh, other offers and moved to other uh, organizations. And so we're having to fill all these roles. We're starting a franchising model. There's a lot going on. Like for mm -hmm. me, I've got a lot going on in this space, but guess what? Why am I able to continue to operate here is because my night routine is so steadfast. It does not change. My nutritional routine is so dialed in and I know how much uh, water I'm drinking at every given point of time. My uh, self-care moments throughout the day do not change. I've got 10 minutes after this podcast over in which I'm going to go sit in front of my red lights and meditate. I've got um, my uh, environment that I know what I'm doing in any given point of time. I've got quiet time throughout the day. I'm making sure again that uh, my exercise routine, I am so dialed into it. I'm going and competing in three world championships over the course of the next three months that I'm training for. So I've got these components that are so steadfast to my regeneration point that even though I'm really pushing in the overreaching space, I've found my rhythm, my balance so that I can perform here. Now, does that mean that I don't go over and spend a little bit too much time here? Absolutely it does. But guess what? My dad is going to tell me that and I'm going to be able to repattern correct and know, you know what? I didn't follow, I didn't uh, give myself enough self-care time yesterday. Um, I didn't uh, get to bed at a consistent hour last night. I'm going to have to give myself a couple extra minutes in nap time today in the middle of the afternoon for, uh, uh, for 10 minutes or whatever it may be. And so I'm actively taking changes here because when we talk about what that rhythm of inner and outer energy looks like, building capacity and resiliency starts with that physical component. We have to add stress and strain. Think about that outer circle as being a piece of concrete. And I don't care how hard you go mentally, emotionally, or purpose-driven, if you do not have the capacity to handle more, you are going to run into that concrete wall every single time. And so the bigger that circle can be, the more we can grow on the mental, emotional, and purposeful spiritual side. However, there's a major caveat to this. Sustainability is built from the purposeful spiritual side outwards. It has to come from the inner space. Because if you're not so aligned with that journey you're on, then all of a sudden, waking up in the morning to work out every day, all of a sudden doesn't seem that good. Going to bed at the same time every single night, eh, Watching that last episode, it seems a little bit better or going out with your buddies is, is a little bit better than that. Or mm. that 20 minutes that you want to meditate during the day, ah, it's not really worth it. I'd rather scroll Instagram or I'd rather uh, go and um, look up different real estate deals that exist. But when we are so driven to it, 
that's where we build sustainability. And that's where it becomes what I talked about, that massive, massive framework that lives on the bottom so that now we can build upwards with a base that is just so foundationally strong that can't throw us off. Thank you. Thanks for sharing, man. I brought up some really good points there. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the squares that I saw there, um, I think it was something to do with like owning it uh, up in the top right-hand corner. Um, yeah, ownership. ownership. Dude, I remember when I was having a conversation with you last week, you were talking to me about your experience that you had with Anaheim Ducks. And I just really think that's like an awesome example of ownership and like really stepping into your individuality. Uh, do you mind sharing that story with us? Yeah. So as I, again, what really kind of drove me to um, start that camp in uh, down here in Florida that again was for NHL guys that was focused on building them from the inside out was that there was over the course of like three years I had seen seven guys go to rehab um, and it was for uh, opiate and uh, different drug addictions and um, quite frankly come from looking at trying to get away from pain get away from pain from aches and pains that they had going on or different surgeries and that's where it started and it wasn't until again, through all this work that I did um, through uh, my education, understanding that there was other ways in which to do this. There was other ways in which to help guys heal from the inside out. Let's take a look at what they're deficient in. Let's take a look at where these aches and pains are coming from. Let's figure out different ways in which we can uh, change the way this is happening. And uh, over the course of my subsequent years, even after we started, we started with seven guys in that, in that camp. We ended with uh, 80 uh, that we have kind of come through. And um, going back uh, to, uh, to Anaheim, um, again, my, my passion, my purpose, my, um, uh, I guess, conviction to this movement uh, was seen as something rebellious, was seen as something different. Again, I was, I was, I was odd, right? I was, I was crazy for thinking that there's a different way to do things um, and was seen as like not a team guy. And so all of a sudden, uh, we took, I, I physically flew another guy to rehab, um, uh, middle of that year. And I was just like, I, I, I can't do this anymore. Like I, 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 you I physically flew him to rehab, like opiate rehab. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and physically flew him there. And I was like, I can't do this anymore. And even leading up to that year, um, I'll come back to this story in a second, but I was, I was really wavering as to whether this was what I wanted or not. Um, I, I, for so long, that 13 year old kid that wanted to play, be in the NHL, play in the NHL, I wasn't playing, but, uh, you're coaching, you're at that, that level. Um, and <laughs> it's like, is this it, is this really what I signed up for? Is this really what I, it, it, it is not what I thought it was. And I remember coming back and um, just continuing to chart and chime the horn of like empowering these guys, ask questions. Uh, there's other ways to do this. Ask me about it. I'll educate you. Talk, talk to me about it. Talk to the docs about it. Talk to the trainers about it. And went into the, got called into the office. I'll never forget it with all the brass sitting around the table and was asked like, what, what are you doing? What are you going against the grain for? And they said, are you on our team? Are you on theirs? And I said, I thought we were on the same team. I really thought we were on the same team. And uh, my allegiance would always be to my client is what I call them, but my guys, it's never to the business side or what's going on there. And so at that point, I took all my credentials, laid them down. I was, that was the, I was done. Um, and they said, you're not done. You're fired. I said, okay, <laughs> uh, sounds good. And um, that was kind of the end of my, my career in the NHL, um, was really kind of sticking to the guns of what I knew was right and my morals and my values. And I wasn't willing to, uh, go against those anymore. Um, but as, as everything has a funny way of doing it is when you stick to something that's right, when you, uh, wholeheartedly believe something, uh, one door closes and, a, a massive one opens. And that's kind of what, uh, what happened with own it. And I'll kind of 
go back to, to that story of kind of not knowing if this is what I wanted, but as soon as I signed my NHL contract and kind of got into the American league and the NHL system in Anaheim, it was like, is this it? And I found myself questioning if how long I want to do this. It was taking me away from my family. It was, um, I got divorced once, not directly due to that, but it was, uh, choosing me again, the obsessive nature that I had of obsessing over my career and wanting to be somewhere and not having a greater balance in, in my life of being able to serve people and, and those that I chose to be with. And I was just like, what am I doing? And I saw um, Magic Johnson speak at one of my masterminds and he talked about in the last year of his contract, um, asking for the emails and phone numbers of the people uh, or the season ticket holders uh, who had floor seats. And I was like, that's interesting. And he goes, I wanted it because I booked lunches with every single one of those people um, to basically see if they would mentor me. And he goes to this day, about 20 of them are still my mentors and 15 of them are business partners in different places. And he goes, those relationships have made me billions of dollars. And not that it's about money, but it's about being able to use the where you are to figure out where you're going and how you can serve and how you can impact. And that spoke to me. And so during that last moment of time in my last year, what turned out to be my last year in the NHL, um, I knew we were on the road for 100 days a year. And I met with about 62 um, different entrepreneurs and executives um, uh, on the road and would take them for lunch. And I would just talk to them. I'd say, hey, like, how'd you get to where you are? We'd, we'd go back and forth. And as always, they're going to say, I had the privilege of having a three-letter league on my on my jacket. And they go, um, so what do you do for them? Like, how do you work? And I tell them about the testing. I tell them about the personalization. I tell them about the data. And obviously, everybody being a numbers guy, big entrepreneurs, um, executives, they're like, well, can you do that for me? I'd love to make health a bigger part of my life. This is a major part that I need to get right because it's holding me back in business. It's not allowing me to do this well. It's imagine what I could do if I was operating at another one, two, three, four, five percent, let alone 50 percent. And all of a sudden built up a clientele base of 30 to 40. And when um, I got fired, it was literally what created on it. Wow. That's amazing. You know, I'm thinking about that metaphor of like reaching out to those people in that proximity and seeing how that could translate into anybody's life. You know, that's just like a really powerful message that we shared with you and you took action on it. And now you're like helping, you know, you know, eight figure, nine figure, 10 figure entrepreneurs. And that's, that's really awesome. That's really good. It's, it's something that you start to realize and again, whether you're an athlete, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, or whether you're uh, an aspiring um, uh, business person, we all have the same constraints. And it all comes back to that foundational baseline of health and health, wellness, longevity. And if we don't know ourselves, we are going to be held back. And one of, um, again, I, I spoke at his, um, his mastermind, uh, Sharon Shravatsa, another guy, he sold Telus properties for $3.8 billion. Um, he, goes, he goes, before I mentor any person to start a business, before I suggest they start a business, they have to get their health in order first. They have to get themselves in order first. That's the first thing I tell people. You want to be an entrepreneur? Get yourself in order first. That's it. Why? Because the journey you're about to go on, what you're about to do, the capacity you're about to have to obtain, you are not in a current state to do it. And it's going to take you longer, it's going to be harder, and you're going to be held back, and you're not going to reach the potential that you want because you have a God-given talent inside of you. You have a mission inside of you. You are going to do something that you are world-class at, and you have not allowed yourself to let that gift out yet. And that is why I want you to take the next two to three months to focus on this and then come and come back and then we'll rock and roll. And it was the greatest thing that like opened up my eyes to like, wow, this actually has a major seat at this table. Um, and again, there's a lot of people that do it simultaneously. There's a lot of people that have been in business for a long time that then all of a sudden come back to this and then double, triple their businesses, whatever it may be. But knowing that health is the foundation, wellness is the foundation so that we can now create that for you so that that 
God-given talent, that mission, that purpose that lives inside of you, it can all of a sudden be released because it's sitting in there, but we cannot reach. That's why people feel like we struggle all the time or like we're stuck is because we have this inside of us. We see it, but we don't have the capacity to get it there. And it's not because there's something wrong with you. It's because we have not literally leaned into ourselves. We haven't focused on the one thing that can help get us there. And it's ourselves. I love how you tie it all together. I've never really heard anybody speak about health in the way that you speak about it. Um, how do our freedom hackers keep the conversation going with you and, and get involved with what you're doing? Yeah, it's so, I mean, it's easy to find me. It's uh, uh, ownitcoaching.com uh, is a website, real simple. Um, and then uh, uh, it's uh, on Instagram uh, at Justin Roth, uh, R-O-E-T-H. And uh, those are the two platforms that uh, you can reach out through uh, through the website or uh, through Instagram and very active uh, through that social media platform. Awesome. And we're going to have all of the links in the show notes so you can click on that, keep the conversation going. So apart from the services that you can provide and, and help our freedom hackers, what's one piece of advice that you could leave us all that's going to help improve our health? The number one thing comes down to a consistent sleep and wake time. If, if, if anybody takes one thing from here, it's how, how can I maximize my sleep and how can I maximize that in a simple way, consistent sleep, consistent wake time. Um, we, there's four things that our bodies cannot live without air, food, water, and sleep. Those first three, I don't know anybody that's going to be like, Oh, I'm, I'm good going without a meal for a week, or, um, I'm just not going to breathe today, or, um, I don't need any water. I'm, I'm good. We, we are, we're always going to go back to those things. But the one thing that we always continually neglect is sleep. And uh, we know that our body can't function without it. Uh, it's one of four things we don't have, we die. So if we were to make consistent sleep, a consistent wake time, and be diligent with that, build our schedules around it, structure everything around it, know that that's the massive energy in time. It's the number one thing that uh, we can do in a really quick way um, to, to maximize health and wellness. Yeah, man, totally, totally with you on that one. Yeah, I think the breath work is pretty important too. You mentioned that I've been doing, you know, some Wim Hof breathing and different breathing exercises. And I've felt it's better for me because I'm doing that. I'm also like conscious about my breathing. And I've realized, man, like I'm getting like maybe a little bit like heightened in stress because of a situation that's happening. And I'm like checking my breathing and I'm like, dude, you're like, you're not breathing properly throughout the day. There's a lot of times where I'm like, you know, over excited or something. And I kind of like choke up my breath a little bit. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, all these simple things, breathing, sleeping, drinking water, we just, we just like kind of focus on other things, big shiny objects and financial freedom and all of these things, but they're so freaking important and uh, we do need to focus on them. It's unique you bring that one up because uh, there's a couple stats out there. So 22% of Americans have uh, sleep apnea, which is a disruption of sleep, you, or sorry, a disruption of breathing while you're sleeping. Um, you actually stop breathing. Um, and little known fact is 69% of Americans have what we call email apnea, where you're working, just as you talked about, and you physically stop breathing, you stop the cadence of your breath, you hold your breath, wow. you um, uh, change the, the cadence of it. Um, and if it goes right back to what you talked about, is this level of awareness is if we can all of a sudden be aware and just focus on that cadence of breath, we're going to notice stress levels start to change. We'll notice postures start to change. We'll notice uh, mental clarity start to change. We'll notice uh, aches and pains in maybe the low back or the hips or the shoulders start to change. And it's going to have a big impact on us. So it, again, touche to you to being able to bring awareness to that level without even having that fundamental um, uh, level of understanding. Email apnea, man, we got some interesting challenges these days, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me wow. about it. There's a name for it. Wow. That's amazing. 
Yeah, so breathe, self-care, sleep, drink water, take care of yourself, guys. Uh, make sure to check out the links in the show notes below. Justin, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you here with us today on Freedom Hack Radio. You're a real leading example. You're an individual. You're honorable. You take chances and you're a living example for, you know, to follow your heart and do what's best for you. And thank you for sharing the gifts that you share, helping people, helping entrepreneurs, helping professional athletes and helping our freedom hackers here at freedom hack radio today before we take off mate any final words just appreciate you and holding this space my man um it's uh everyone on uh all the freedom hackers out there um it's it's a special community in which you can actually have somebody that uh that seeks out uh people to bring value uh to you so uh, again honor to you in, in holding the space and um a, a pleasure to be here well, thank you, brother. It's been a pleasure. And for all of our freedom hackers out there, until next week, I'm your host, Bryce Robertson. Live large, and live free. G'day, this is Bryce Robertson. I'm your host here at Freedom Hack Radio, and I truly, truly hope that you got a ton of value out of the episode that we just shared with you. And if you did, make sure to subscribe on your YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite podcasting platform. Hit the notification button so you can find out about the next episodes as they come out. Because if you haven't achieved financial time and location freedom, you really need to be dialed in here. So make sure to subscribe and follow us along as you grow on your path to financial time and location freedom here at Freedom Hack Radio.